Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Jody Bailey. And she and I both can hold on to our loved ones a little too tightly. If you're like us, some of your greatest anxieties revolve around those you love. My family, they often call me a mama bear because when it seems as if those I love are threatened, my first response is just to spring forward with my claws bared and I can hold on to my loved ones super, super tight. It's really hard to let them go, to relinquish control, or maybe I should say to relinquish my illusion of control. And you know, it's it's hard when you can see them in front of you, and it's even harder when they're not right there with you. I remember the, the first time that my husband deployed, and just this anxiousness of, you know, he's far away. I can't see him every night. I can't see that he's safe. And obviously, I mean, clearly when you're deployed into a war zone, you're not in the safest of conditions. And so I remember it was just a couple of months of this stress and of constantly feeling the need to pray and of constantly feeling the need to have him on my mind that if I stopped thinking or I stopped praying, something awful was going to happen, that somehow I was in control, even though he was half a world away. And God was like, you know, you have to, to let him be in my hands. You have to let him go. When he's in a fist in your hands, you know, you're not letting me handle him. And until I let him go and trusted that it was all going to go God's way, there was no way either one of us was going to learn. I would suffocate him with my worry, even half a world away. And I would suffocate my own faith with worry right there in front of me. I just had to say, you know, God, he really is yours. And after that, it, it was freeing to, to know that God is in control. And I'd like to say I remembered that for an entire year, <laughs> but you have those moments. So it's kind of like a, a continual challenge for you. And I think for all of us, I mean, I would say the same, even with like your daughter's grown now, even letting her take her own steps into the world every, sometimes every single time they pull out of the driveway, it's a challenge. And then other times you're like, well, they have their life and God's got them. Yeah. You know, and I really admire your courage when I see those who are entrusting their loved ones in these really challenging situations, it really inspires me to increase my trust in Jesus. Even when doing so, it seems to contradict reason. So imagine living under oppression, watching your loved ones beaten down day after day. Imagine raising children in that environment, hoping and praying that things will get better only to see them get worse. Well, in Exodus chapters one through three, we're told about the birth of a child that was born into just horrific circumstances. So centuries prior, a man named Joseph had moved to Egypt. He brought his family with him, the ancestors of the tribe of the Israelites. Over time, the Israelites, they grew in number, a new Pharaoh came to power, and the Egyptians began to feel threatened by this rapidly growing people group. They worried they'd become powerful and join forces with the Egyptian enemies. To prevent that from happening, the Egyptians enslaved God's people. But the Bible tells us 
quote, the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. So they became, the Egyptians grew even more cruel and even more oppressive. And eventually the Pharaoh, he ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill all the baby boys, but the midwives, scripture says, feared God and wouldn't do that. So Exodus 1, tells us, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile but let every girl live, end quote. So this was the environment into which an unnamed yet courageous woman gave birth to a baby boy named Moses. And seeing that she was a special child, she hid him for as long as she could. And then she placed him into a pitch covered waterproof basket. And then she placed that basket with her baby in it into the Nile, the Nile River with crocodiles, I'm sure, hiding it in the reeds. Can you imagine what it took to literally take your hands off your child and put your child into God's hands. And, and she did. And, and his sister, uh, if you go to Exodus chapter two, his sister went along and watched. And then if you get to chapter two, verse five, we see where Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. Who wouldn't? (laughs) This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. That's such a powerful story. I just putting myself in Moses's mother's position and I can't imagine just every day what it felt like hiding her child from the authorities, first of all, because if he cried once, right? Like I imagine that would have put her entire family potentially in danger. And then walking to the Nile River, if she was caught, I don't know what the Pharaoh would have done to her, but I'm sure he could have killed her. She could have been killed for disobedience. I wonder if she struggled between, am I doing the right thing for my son? And am I doing the right thing for my family? Am I doing the right thing for my husband? What's going to happen to me? And I think sometimes we can struggle when, when like probably with your husband, I'm sure you are struggling between letting him go. Right. And then the struggle with as a, a mom, because you've got a daughter and just all of the dynamics that can be wrapped up in when we give our children or our loved ones, our parents, whoever we are holding so, so tightly to, when we entrust them to God's care, there's usually so many things wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to trade the known for the unknown, even when the unknown uh, is God who says that we can trust him with our eternity, not just what we can see. You know, and I think that's an important point to make. We're going to struggle with fears and doubts. That's just human nature. And we live in a broken world. And so we're going to have and experience hard things. And I think we see these hard things and it really challenges our faith. But we have to remember God is always working out a bigger story. Through this story with Moses, he was working out a bigger story where he was really about to rescue an entire nation. And, but even in the nation, the Israelites that God was rescuing, he was even in that was orchestrating a bigger story to point us to salvation of Jesus Christ. And I, I think sometimes I have to remember, especially with my daughter, when she goes through things, I have to remember she might experience really hard things this side of heaven. 
but I have to trust that God is using it to do something in her that ultimately will draw her to him and deepen her faith because there's going to come a day when today is absolutely gone, when our world here is gone and we're all, you know, we're, our destination is heaven. That's what God is pointing us to through everything that we experience here. you can simplify life into being a little bit like a puzzle and we all have our own pieces to play to place in that puzzle. And we're all cut differently and, you know, puzzles are cut. They're not, you know, delicately taken apart. And so sometimes we do go through hard things or we go through difficult things in order to be shaped into what God wants us to be. And sometimes, you know, if you are missing a piece of a puzzle, the puzzle's incomplete. And so we forget that even as an individual and our children as individuals, our families as individuals, they have their own way to walk. And if you think about it, you know, God can use one person to change anything. Uh, God used Moses's mother to do all those things you were just talking about without her obedience. Had she not, you know, let him live, had she not placed him in the water, you know, his whole story would not have played out the way it did, leading straight to the exodus of God's children out of Egypt. Absolutely. That really struck me when I was reading this too, that through one woman who's never mentioned, God used her to save the child that saved millions. I'm reminded that obedience equals legacy. And, and you know, another thing that's interesting is God uses what we don't think, you know, as people, we have this idea of how God's going to work, what God's going to use. And it's interesting to me in the story of Moses, how much Pharaoh is looking at things from the physical view. He's worried about the males. And so he has the males, you know, killed. It's the women, every step of the way, it's the women who lead to Moses's deliverance. He wasn't paying attention to what God was actually using. He used Pharaoh's own daughter to bring about Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And so I think sometimes we can do that. We can get focused on what is right in front of us, what we can see, and we miss what God's actually trying to do because his mind doesn't work like our mind. I love how you brought that out, that he uses just this completely unexpected, almost ironic way to save this child that ultimately rescued, played a big part in the rescue of God's people. And, you know, the situation must have appeared so hopeless to Moses's mother. And, you know, for three months prior, I just imagine she was begging God for in intervention and just praying to him for things to change probably, and for some kind of miracle to happen. But notice it was when the situation appeared utterly hopeless, like scripture says, when she could do that no longer, and then she put him in this basket and she released him. And that is when the miracle occurred. That was the setup, not only for Moses's rescue, but like we said, for the Israelites rescue as well. I like what you said, when, when she released him, that's when the miracle occurred. When we surrender anything, that's when the miracle occurs. And there's so much irony just in this entire story. You already brought up how it was the Pharaoh's own daughter that rescued Moses, who would ultimately basically overpower the Pharaoh. Moses was raised in the Pharaoh's household as a prince, likely educated, and he probably learned leadership. So 
he didn't necessarily have a slave mentality. I mean, scripture makes it clear that he knew where he came from because he associated with the Jewish people, but he wasn't raised in the same environment where he would have had that kind of beaten down mentality that can occur when somebody is oppressed. I feel like our slave mentality, because you can, you can be a slave to anything. You can be a slave to fear. You can be a slave to doubt. You can be a slave to anything. And I think a lot of times what leads us to hold on so tightly and not surrender is that mentality that we're somehow chained to fear. Uh, even, or even we may not even realize, we may not even realize that we're chained to fear. Um, but if you think about it, in a way, by taking matters into her own hands, even his mother maybe was beginning to break out of that mentality because that took some serious independent, that took some serious independence and some serious bravery to do what she did. You know, and I want to talk about when we can become paralyzed by fear because many times to not act is actually to act. That's true. And, and Moses's mom could have not acted, could have just put it off. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to pretend like, you know, this isn't occurring and he's just going to cry. I don't know what to do. I, I don't have an answer, but she stepped forward. And sometimes just in the stepping forward, it, God will direct us as we do that. So we don't always have to have all the answers. She didn't know when she was walking that day to bring her child to the Nile, she didn't know whether a crocodile would get him, whether she would be stopped by the authorities along the way, whether he'd climb out of the basket and drowned. All she knew is she was bringing her baby there, but God had the solution. And so I think it's like you talked about that walking forward into the unknown, we can do that when we hold tight to what we do know. Well, I thank you for listening to today's episode. I know this is a challenging topic for all of us, I'm sure. May we all remember that God truly does know what he's doing. He's got a plan. He's working out his plan. And may we be attuned and courageous to follow that plan, however he guides us. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to share it with your friends so that they can receive encouragement as well. We would love it if you would rate it and that will help others to find it. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.